Deja vu. Deja vu because today's Monday. Oscar nominations were announced. It's Monday, March 15th. We're definitely going to get to Oscar nominations. But we're starting with Deja Vu is the nothing personal word of the day. Deja Vu is Yogi Berra said. It's Deja Vu all over again. Deja Vu is French. Deja already. Vu, past tense of the verb voir to see. Already seen. Deja Vu's freak me out. Do you ever have Deja Vu's? It's when you're going through something and you think you've been there, you've been speaking to these people or seen these people or have this conversation, you know what's coming next, but there's no way you ever did it before, but it feels like you've done it before. And you wonder yourself, what's going on in my brain? And this is not drug related. It's something that happens. Maybe there's a tape delay in your brain that makes you feel like you've seen something or said something and you actually haven't seen it or done it. But deja vu is the word of the day because I've seen it. I've done it. I've experienced it. But it was strange seeing Michael Hill, the new senior VP of on-field operations for Major League Baseball, guy I worked with for 15 years and he now works for Major League Baseball, having been let go by the Miami Marlins. So being in charge of on-field operations means that you are the policeman for the players. You're the one who signs all the papers when they're in violation of any rule regulation. Do you remember uh, we talked about uh, fines for players? This may have been in a mailbag. It may have been on a different show, Coca. I actually don't know. Maybe we've never talked about it before, but players would prepay their fines because fines under the collective bargain agreement for uniform issues would be 500 bucks if you wear the wrong uniform or you wear your pocket pants out of your pants or you don't wear the actual on-field set uniforms you're supposed to wear. Here's how it works in baseball. You get packages. So when spring training starts, if you walk into your spring, I don't know if this is of interest to you, Coca, probably not, but I'm in the mood to say it. When you get to spring training and you go to your clubhouse manager, we always had a room for him where his packages would go. They'd come from the mail room and then they'd get sent to the clubhouse in his name, boxes upon boxes upon boxes. You've got spring training shorts, regular season shorts, spring training t-shirts, regular season t-shirts cold weather stuff. You get certain hats to wear when it's cold. Even they'd send it to Florida. Beanies or special hats that have the ear flaps. You'd have socks. You'd have bats. You'd have shoes. Everything you can think of is sent in boxes. Uniforms, multiple uniforms. Can you imagine the NBA when they started building new stadiums in the NBA, they didn't expect to have 18 sets of uniforms. There's a home uniform and a road uniform, and that's it. Now they've got 49 alternate jerseys. They got to store them somewhere. And believe me, they're running out of space. I hope they're giving them away to charity. So MLB gets the uniforms sent to each team. The uniforms are all sponsored. So the uniform is Nike is the sponsor, which means you've got to wear Nike stuff. They give you Nike undershirts and the Nike top and et cetera. And when you go out to BP, whenever you are on the field between the lines, you have to dress a certain way, period. Fine. Every sport has it. Every sport has players who are in violation of it. Everyone understands that the reason why this happens is because those are sponsors and the sponsors give money and that money then trickles down in a way that Reagan would be proud of to the players. 
Trevor Bauer got in trouble. He posted a letter given to him by Michael Hill, sent him by Michael Hill, saying, you're in violation. He was promoting something on his own web, on his, on his uniform, on his belt. Who cares? Who cares? No, no, no. Don't get me wrong. I care that he does it. But that's not my point today. My point is that the Los Angeles Dodgers signed Trevor Bauer to that three-year, $102 million deal where they're really paying him 82 over two with a third year that's not going to happen. Trevor Bauer is the number one paid player. And for whatever reason, Coca thinks this is personal with Trevor. I don't know him. Don't know a thing about him. I only know the facts. The facts are he's won a Cy Young in a 60-game season. Congrats. The other facts are his teams have never won crap. And the Los Angeles Dodgers are trying to do something for the first time since 98 to 2000. They are trying to repeat as World Series champions. The Los Angeles Dodgers have been built by Andrew Friedman, one of the top Hall of Fame executives of all time, who isn't just an analytic guy. He is someone who understands the importance of depth. He's got the money for it, but he understands the importance of depth. He understands the importance of pitching, understands the importance of defense understands the importance of players who can play multiple positions. Fine. You know what else he understands? Clubhouse dynamics. He understands that winning doesn't lead to chemistry. That's an old story that players always say. How is the chemistry? Oh, we hated each other. 25 guys, 25 cabs. That's an expression for at the end of the game when they would all leave separately and not stay in the clubhouse and have a beer or spend time partying outside of the, uh, outside of the game. I've had teams that got along famously. I mean, there's always clicks. It's something that you have to be very wary of when you're building a team, when you've got clicks of Hispanic players, clicks of black players, clicks, clicks of white players. There are certain players you have to have who can go between clicks. You need players who are bilingual because you are building a team and you require chemistry because you are with these people and they're not in your family, but you're with them every day. 162 games in 185 days, workouts on some of the off days, travel days. You're in the ballpark, not for two hours, not for three hours. You are in that ballpark for five hours a day, maybe more. Some players say it's more, but it's around that. You need chemistry. Trevor Bauer is one of the great me players I've ever seen. So out of character for the Dodgers to have signed him. He sends this tweet yesterday. It's deja vu because every day he's doing something to bring attention to himself because it's all about him. Saying that MLB wants its players to have fun. He wants to, he thinks that MLB wants fun and they want to get younger, but then they send me a letter saying that they're fining me for showing my individual expression on my uniform. You, I was going to say, a, I was going to say a word that was personal. That's not what this is for. It's for trying to make sure from MLB standpoint that they are enforcing the rules that they promised they would enforce to the sponsors who gave them money. From Michael Hill's standpoint, it's about doing part of his job that is the least fun of what he wants to do because he knows the players use those letters that he sends them as toilet paper at best, paper planes in the clubhouse at worst. What this is about 
is trying to understand how the Dodgers are going to run this back with competition from the Padres in the NL West, not much from the Diamondbacks, Rockies, or Giants. Although there could be a surprise, but I doubt it. But the real competition is from the Padres, who have a superstar on their team named Fernando Tatis, who gets it and gets all of it. He understands exactly that it's team first, but he understands that he's the face, that he's the star. He understands that his performance backs it up. He understands that when he's motivating, even as a young player with 143 games experience, that he works with Manny Machado in that offense, in that infield, as leaders of that team, with the veterans that include Eric Hosmer. That Tatis understands his responsibility. And what does Trevor Bauer understand? It's actually pretty simple. He understands absolutely nothing. Something happened in spring training yesterday that uh, is not going to get a lot of attention, but I wanted to get attention from Nothing Personal loyal listeners. Thank you. Welcome back to another week of Nothing Personal. We come to you 45 minutes a day, every day. If you're new to the show, it's me and Coca. No guests, no callers. We talk about entertainment, sports, politics, Anything that we want to, full editorial control. Thank you, CBS. We're back at CBS. Couldn't be happier to be on their CBS Sports podcast family. CBS Sports does a lot of cool things, by the way. It's March Madness. I don't know if you knew that. March Madness is coming up. Do you know that you can now create your own pool and compete with friends and fill out your bracket and you could win a Nissan Rogue or even a trip, believe it or not, to the 2022 Final Four, which is taking place in the state of confusion, otherwise known as Indianapolis. But I want you to play, please, in the nothing personal bracket. So we have our own bracket here. I mean, we didn't make up the teams. The teams were announced yesterday. But what you can do is you can play at the CBS Sports app or at cbssports.com backslash brackets. But we have our own group. And so what I'd like you to do is do cbssports.com backslash NPDS brackets. Okay. So there it is cbssports.com backslash capital N, capital P, nothing personal, capital D, David, capital S, Samson, capital B for brackets, and then rackets, because this is a racket, rackets in lowercase. Now, the 2022 Final Four, where you can win a trip to, is in New Orleans. Obviously, you're not going to win a trip to this year's Final Four, because you got to win to do it, and you got to choose this year's Final Four. And the best part about joining the NPDS group is that unlike the other groups that you're going to be asked to join, whoever wins the NPDS group is going to get a prize. And it's going to be a good one from my personal collection. The other thing that we're going to do is whoever beats Coca, anyone who beats Coca is going to get into another drawing that I'm going to do for an even cooler prize. So if you win, you're gonna get something from me, not from CBS. But if you beat Coca, you're eligible for something as well, even if you didn't win. Because beating Coca in the NPDS brackets, capital N, capital B, capital D, capital S, capital B brackets, sign up right now, cbssports.com backslash NPDS brackets. It is easy to beat Coca. Thank you. 
So something happened in spring training yesterday that was fascinating to me. This year, you don't know when you buy tickets to a game, are there going to be six innings? Is it going to be seven innings? Is it going to be eight innings, nine innings? You don't know if pitchers are going to hit. You don't know whether or not players are going to play, when they're going to play. You just don't know anything. What you think you knew going into yesterday is that if the road team is winning after the top of the ninth, then the home team gets to bat in the bottom of the ninth and try to win the game. Or if the home team is winning after the road team gets last licks in the top of the ninth, then that's the end of the game. But there was a spring training game yesterday between the San Francisco Giants and the Cleveland Indians. They're not the Cleveland Indians anymore. They're the Cleveland football team. So the San Francisco Giants and the Cleveland football team played a game and the game was over after the top of the ninth. The Giants had won. But the Giants wanted and Cleveland agreed. They wanted to get more at-bats in the bottom of the ninth and Cleveland had some pitching they wanted to play. So they decided to play the bottom of the ninth even though it did not matter for the game. Guess what then happened? Unheard of the major league umpires walked off the field. Are we clear on that? There's a game going on. The two sides agree they're going to continue the game and the major league baseball umpires simply left. If I'm running major league baseball right now, I'm calling up the union because they're represented by a union. I'm saying, listen here because the issue between the owners and the umpires union have always been significant, contentious. The umpires union is run by people who are not quite clear of their role in the game. There is no one who pays to watch CB Buckner, Angel Hernandez, or Joe West. They come to watch major league baseball's players play. No one wants the umpires to be the show ever. Umpires have this view that they are quite a bit more important than they are. I've spent a lot of time talking to umpires about this issue, trying to understand. I think it's great what they do. They're the best at what they do in the world. But the best umpires are the ones who are not seen or heard. This goes back in the old days, my old days in the National Basketball Association, being a fan, there were very... Uh, There were a lot of referees in the NBA like Earl Strom, Daryl Garrettson, even Steve Steve Javi. But going back even further, Mendy Rudolph, there were were referees in the NBA. You, when they were, Joey Crawford is a great example, whose brother was a major league umpire, by the way. They were boisterous. They were loud. They had unbelievable expressions when they'd call a foul. And uh, they became part of the show. And the NBA didn't like that. So the NBA started getting rid of them and started bringing in sort of robotic, robotic referees. Major League Baseball does not have as much of an opportunity to get rid of some umpires who they would like to get rid of. They tried a couple of years ago and succeeded as part of a union issue. They suspended a bunch. Some of them have come back. Some umpires opted out during 2020, many of whom MLB was thankful that they opted out, but many of them have opted back in now that COVID is, hopefully they're getting vaccined. But the union protects these guys and lets them continue to umpire long after they're not in shape, they're not good enough to umpire. 
they weren't good enough to begin with or they were good and they got older. It's very hard to be a major league baseball umpire. The game happens quickly. It's hard to be an NBA referee too, by the way. It is amazing if you go to a game and sit up close, which I've been lucky enough to do, the speed of the game would shock you. The size of the players in the NBA. It's just unbelievable. So MLB is calling up the union and they're saying, listen, uh, that's not acceptable. As long as there are players on the field, you've got to stay on the field. Now, I understand that this is your spring training and that you don't want to be out there too long. It's hot. That's fine. But it's nine innings. Sometimes they go 10, but not often. We've put rules in play during the regular season, so you're not going to miss your commercial planes because the games go too long. We've made it so you get extra vacation during the season, even though you get the whole offseason off. We've negotiated so in a doubleheader that if you're the home umpire, you don't have to umpire the second game. We've given you until it hurts, and then we've given you just a little more. And now you're going to show us up and embarrass us by walking off the field? This is an issue within the commissioner's office right now that will be addressed today. I promise you that. And I further promise that what happened will never happen again, ever, ever. Something else happened in football that I thought would never happen. Things seem to be happening. Have you noticed that in 2020 and 21, when everything's so strange, everything's so sort of pandemic related, that things are happening in a way that uh, we never suspected. Just things we didn't think of. Anyway, Coca, someone asked a question that we're going to have to answer because I couldn't believe when this happened, and I'm thankful for the question. You know what I want? <laughs> I want to talk to Samson. I hope you could hear that. I could barely hear that in my ear. I don't know why. This new fancy soundboard. I can't hear squat with a side of crap. Although maybe I should turn it on. So you want to talk to Samson. That's when you come up with a question in my Twitter at David P. Samson. After you've told your friends about nothing personal and downloading and subscribing, you get into Twitter, you hit follow, and then you ask a question. I get to so many of them, as many as I can, off the air, on the air. And when they're interesting or trending or something I want to talk about, I'm going to read it on the air and answer it. Here's the question. Can you explain the $140 million voidable contract the Saints and Taysom Hill agreed to? What does that mean for both parties? Hill isn't actually getting $140 million, is he? Question mark? Exclamation point? Well, I'm really happy you asked. Have you heard of Taysom Hill? Drew Brees retired yesterday in the worst kept secret of all time. He had his kids go on social media and announce that he was going to be back to being a dad. I think that even when you work, you can still be a dad. I was not necessarily really good at being a dad and working. It's hard. I get it. But I think it, it can happen. So Drew Brees retires as one of the best quarterbacks of all time. First ballot, guaranteed Hall of Famer. Just if you look at his stats, it's crazy. Only one Super Bowl win, but that's one more than Dan Marino. And it's the same as Patrick Mahomes, but it is still quite, he was successful. I think he won the last four NFC Souths, but had early playoff losses the last four years. Not ideal. His final game was the loss against uh, old man Tom Brady. So with Drew Brees gone, they've got Winston and they've got this guy Hill who 
plays a few snaps during the course of last season with Breeze. Sometimes he takes direct snaps and throws. Sometimes he is a receiver. Sometimes he runs the ball. Very, very sort of um, flexible player. Able to do a lot, bring a lot to the table. There's a lot of quarterbacks out there that could be had for a trade. Could maybe trade for Russell Wilson. Although maybe his agent, Mark Rogers, wouldn't let him play for you in New Orleans. But there's some quarterbacks who could maybe trade for Sam Darnold. You could maybe trade for Watson. I mean, there's stuff you could do if you wanted to be a franchise quarterback or have a franchise quarterback. <clears throat> but the Saints said, you know, we've got Winston and we've got Hill. Let's extend Hill and let's let them have a quarterback competition next year's training camp. No problem. Fine. Good, good, good. All of a sudden, I read something before you asked me this question, and it said that Taysom Hill signs a $140 million four-year deal with the New Orleans Saints. And I was going to call Coco, but I try not to bother him anytime when the sun is out on a Saturday or Sunday because he gets enough of me on Monday to Friday. And I was thinking to myself, I must have missed this. I didn't think Hill was worthy of that type of contract. And then I did a little digging, and I realized it's an absolute crock of horse hockey. It's not a four-year, $140 million deal at all. It is a one-year deal that they've signed four of them in a row and they're each voidable by the New Orleans Saints at any time at their sole discretion. It's not a player option. It's not a mutual option. It is a team option, period. It's the same AAV as Russell Wilson for a guy that hasn't won a thing. He hasn't been a starting quarterback ever, except when Drew Brees was injured, but that doesn't count. So why in the name of holy salary cap is this happening? And the answer is the New Orleans Saints, as well as the other 31 teams, have spent their lives and they've hired scores of people to figure out how to avoid the salary cap, how to stay under the salary cap, how to spread out the salary cap, how to move signing bonuses to roster bonuses, roster bonuses to signing bonuses, spread out the signing bonuses over the course of a contract, sign a player for longer than you were going to sign him for. It's happening in baseball, by the way, but that's to stay under the luxury tax, which is another thing that teams focus on and hire people to do. So finally, this issue is now at the forefront. And let me tell you the significance of this voidable contract. It's now called a voidable contract, and the Saints did it because it helps their cap hit. They actually sign a player to an outrageous contract with cartoon-like numbers while lowering their salary cap hit for that player and that sa their salary cap overall. It's every other day on CBSSports.com or wherever you get your sports news. The following two players have been released, saving X millions of dollars in salary cap space. The following 10 players have restructured their contract, saving the following amount in salary cap space. The following player, Ben Roethlisberger, has taken a pay cut to save in salary cap space. The following players have had their roster bonuses converted to signing bonus in order to save salary cap space. Hey, NFL owners, I just have a small question for the 32 of you. When you're sitting in your room 
and you are going through your collective bargaining agreement and you're looking at your profitability and you're thinking about your league, do you think it makes sense that you've got a salary cap or do you admit to the union that there is no salary cap? Do you think the players are happy that there's no salary cap, but they're still getting a percentage of football related revenue? Something's got to give. The marriage that takes place in sports is salary caps with sport related revenue, sharing of revenue, and that's how you compute the cap. Baseball, no cap, no sharing of revenue. We'll pay whatever we want to pay you. If we go too high, there's going to be a tax. Don't ask us our revenue. We're never going to tell you. Don't ask us to split your revenue. Forget about it. Yeah, we'll do some postseason auditing. No problem. We'll send you the audited statements of the teams. Good luck reading those. But the NFL is going to have to make some changes. And I think this is the inflection point. You know, on the seesaw, my favorite word is inflection point. If you're watching this on YouTube, you know exactly what I'm doing. And you've subscribed to Nothing Personal with David Sampson. But likely you're listening to this. Right now, I'm pretending I'm a seesaw. And on a seesaw, there's an inflection point where you're going up, 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 up. And then all of a sudden, you go back down, 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 down. And then up and then down. Have you ever been on that carnival ride, Coca? The one that goes in a circle and you go around and it stops at the top and then finishes the circle and then goes around and stops on top and finishes the circle. But then it goes around and doesn't quite make it to the point where it's the point of no return. So it falls back the other way from whence you came. That's an inflection point. And that's where we are in the NFL. There are going to be rule changes that come negotiated with the union because the way that teams are spending time, resources, money, human capital to figure out the best way to avoid, that's what's gonna happen. Coca's whispering in my ear, Coca, I don't even know what that means. He wants me to say the following and when Coca says, say it, I say it. Salt and pepper ride. We'll be right back. And when we come back, the Oscar nominations came out, which is awfully exciting, which I'm happy about. And we're going to get to the most unbelievable statement. Can you imagine I'm saying this? I'm nothing personal when we talk about statements of all time. I believe that yesterday was the most unbelievable statement Mount Rushmore worthy of all time. We will be right back. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp's software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. My name is David Sampson. You've made it through the gauntlet, and now we get to review a movie, which we do every day, but not today, because today the Oscar nominations came out. 
How great is that? I've watched them every single year. One time they were announced in January and I was at an owner's meeting in Arizona and I, they're 8.30 Eastern always, but Arizona, it was 6.30 in the morning. I was up watching the nominations. One time I was at a meeting, an owner's meeting that was in the Eastern time zone and those meetings start at eight. And so I put headphones in, in the middle of an ear, in the middle of a um, owner's meeting. And I was on my phone because I had a phone and I was watching the nominations live. I believe this is the, I've been in Europe running a business when the nominations have come out. And that's an easy one because they come out in the middle of the day. And I just made sure I was back in my hotel at that point because they're live. And that was pre-internet. I haven't missed an Oscar nominations and I don't know, it's gotta be more than 30 years. This was going to be interesting. It was done by Nick Jonas and his wife. They announced that they were in London, so it's not fair because normally the stars get to get up at five, five o'clock in the morning, do hair and makeup, and they're tired, they're despondent, and they make a joke. But this time they were in London. And here's my four takeaways. I predicted that three women would get nominated for Best Director, which is obviously history, because five women have been nominated as Best Director ever, with one winning. Catherine Bigelow won for The Hurt Locker, an unbelievable movie. It turns out I was wrong. Only two women were nominated, one for Promising Young Woman and one for uh, Nomadland, but that's still amazing. Glenn Close got nominated for her eighth Oscar, Best Supporting Actress in Hillbilly Elegy, a crappy movie with a good performance by Glenn Close. Not enough to get the win. I think the favorite there is going to be Maria Baklava from Borat. They had a read, by the way, Nick Jonas and, and uh, I can't remember his wife's name, um, Chandra Jonas, I think uh, Prin, I can't remember her name. Um, oh, Priyanka, I believe is her first name, Priyanka Chopra Jonas. And uh, she had to read the full name of the Borat movie. And it's, it's a very long title. It's not just called Borat. But Maria Bakalova was nominated for Best Supporting Actress, along with Glenn Close. People were hoping Chadwick Boseman would get two nominations. I guess the first time in a long time, maybe James Dean was nominated twice after dying. Chadwick Boseman got one for Best Act Actor, where he's the favorite. He was not nominated for Best Supporting Actor uh, at all, which there was a thought he could have been. Uh, Judas and the Black Messiah got two nominations in the Best Supporting category, which was interesting. Mank led. If you haven't seen Mank, we've reviewed it. It is gonna. It led with ten nominations. I'm not convinced it's going to win any. Although I love Amanda Seyfried as Best Supporting Actress in Mank, and she did get the nomination. The other best pictures. There were eight of them. People are a little surprised. No to five bloods. No Spike Lee is predicted. Uh, no Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. No One Night in Miami, which to me were not best picture. Sort of, they weren't good enough to be nominated for Best Pictures. Good performances. Viola Davis nominated for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. One Night in Miami got nominations for Leslie Odom from Hamilton. If you haven't watched Leslie Odom play Aaron Burr in Hamilton, please get Disney Plus and watch Hamilton. Minari is a movie that we reviewed. They had six nominations. The Father, six. Sound of Metal, my favorite movie of the year, had a Best Supporting Actor nomination for the man who ran the rehab for Riz Ahmed for deaf people and rehab. 
Trial of Chicago 7 got another nomination for Aaron Sorkin for writing. Sasha Baron Cohen did get nominated for acting in that, but not in Borat. It's going to be interesting. They're holding the Oscars in two places at once. They're trying to do it like the Golden Globes, except not one in L.A., one in New York, like Tina Fey and Amy Poehler. Instead, it's one at the <clears throat> Dolby Theater and one somewhere else in Los Angeles. And there will be people there. Did you watch the Grammys, by the way? Grammys were last night. Congratulations, Beyonce. Do you know Beyonce passed Alison Krauss? Do you know who Alison Krauss is? Alison Krauss won the most Grammys of any women ever. She had 27 Grammys. Beyonce won her 28th Grammy. Beyonce is the most decorated woman in the history of music. In history. I think she's getting close to Quincy Jones, by the way, Coca, who I think has the most Grammys ever. I felt old, though. I felt old. And the reason I felt old is that my musical education sort of stopped in the 80s and 90s. And I'd listened to some current music, but not a lot. I was the mean dad who made the kids in the car listen to my music, not me listening to theirs. And uh, I just don't recognize. I don't recognize. Taylor Swift won album of the year, fourth time. The list of people who have won four albums of the year is small. I think it's time to admit for people that Taylor Swift is talented. No doubt about that. So Oscar nominations are out. We're going to make sure we review the movies. The only one of the best picture nominees I have not seen, which is normally I've seen almost all of them by the time the nominations come out. But I must say that I had not, uh, this year I'd seen all but one. I do want to clarify that Beyonce, thank you, Coca. So this is not a correction. We do corrections on the show when I say something wrong because we do 45 minutes unedited. You know that. And so if I say something wrong, by definition, I want to know about it. Someone tweeted at me that on Friday's show or Thursday's show, I was talking about Chris Sarandon, and I don't know why. He must have been in a movie I was reviewing. Ah, Dog Day Afternoon he was in. And I said that was Susan Sarandon's brother. Correction. I was wrong. Chris Sarandon is Susan Sarandon's first husband. Susan Sarandon got her start by going with Chris Sarandon to an audition, and she ended up starting her acting career. Susan Sarandon kept that name even when she was with Tim Robbins for all those years and the, the co-founder of Spin, that young guy she was with for all those years. Either way, I was wrong. Thank you for correcting me. Coca's correcting me. Beyonce is now tied with Quincy Jones with 28, but that is not. I thought Quincy Jones had the most Grammys ever. I'm wrong. A guy named George Salty, thank you, Coca, has the most Grammys ever. He's a conductor. Apparently, he's Hungarian and British and a director. And he has and a conductor. Time out. Stop. 69-42-96. The person with the most Grammys ever is a guy named George Salty. He's Hungarian-British. He's a conductor. And he's won 31 Grammys. God, you're going to need a big bookcase for that. So we will not, we'll talk about all the uh, movies nominated. We'll make sure all of them get reviewed. The only one I've not seen is The Father. And uh, I'm going to see it because it starts streaming on March 26th. Okay. I want to give you my uh, nothing personal pick of the day. Uh, we won again on Friday. I don't know if you're aware of that, but we did. And uh, we are 34 and 20. Can you believe that? The Lakers were favored by four and a half over the Pacers Friday night. It was a close the whole game. And at the end, two free throws. Boom! Lakers win by five. 
So we're hot. So we're going to stick with the NBA tonight, even though I'm getting ready for baseball. But we're sticking with it. The Knicks play the Nets. I'm an unabashed Knicks fan. I'm emotional about my Knicks. I'm despondent how bad they've been for so long, but pleased that they have a chance to be good again. But there is one team when you are the Knicks that you have to beat, period. The New Jersey Nets, the Brooklyn Nets, the New York Nets, whatever they want to be called, whether they have Durant and Harden and Irving, Julius Irving, Kyrie Irving, doesn't matter. Daryl Dawkins, don't care. The Knicks have to beat the Nets. This is a playoff game. The Knicks are getting seven and a half points because the Nets are one of the two best teams in basketball. So it is my belief, my strong belief that the Knicks will cover. Knicks plus seven and a half over Nets. Old habits die hard. Take the Knicks, take the points. Wait to see is when we tell you something's going to happen and uh, we'll revisit it. We keep a list of every wait to see. I think this is episode, what are we at, Coca? 330 maybe? We number our episodes. It doesn't count any sit-downs. It doesn't count any bonus episodes. This is sort of the quote-unquote normal episode 330, Coca. 330. That's a lot of minutes. Thank you all. So we keep track. We revisit. So we've got a bracket to fill out. We've talked to you about the NCAA. You know there's the bracket at cbssports.com backslash MPDS brackets, which you're going to fill out and win a prize by me, especially if you beat Coca. So it was announced today that, or yesterday, Gonzaga, the number one team undefeated, the absolute favorite to win the tournament, starring John Stockton, I believe, is their starting point guard, but I could be wrong, but I have some recollection that he starts for Gonzaga. You've got Baylor, Illinois, and then the Fab Five with Chris Weber and Jalen Rose start are their number one seats. Gonzaga, Baylor, Illinois, and Michigan. So I'm going to release my full bracket because I'm going to join the cbssports.com backslash MPDS brackets. But I've got to wait to see for you. And here's what it is. I think that this year, the tournament being in one place, remember, it's all in Indianapolis. They're spreading it out in different gyms, different field houses. It's a perfect place to play this tournament. It's brilliant. But I believe that the absence of fans There may be a few fans, but it's not going to be what we're used to. I believe the absence of travel. I believe the COVID protocols, all the things that are going to take place. CBS is in for the greatest tournament of all time because there are going to be upsets galore. It is going to be viewed and watched. It's going to be a ratings bonanza. And I think it's going to be so exciting. I love the NCAA tournament. And I'm not a college basketball guy except for the Badgers. The Badgers, of course, will upset in the first round. They'll upset North Carolina, guaranteed. But nine versus eight is always a pick right? When you're doing brackets, you better choose a few nines because I promise you four eights are not going to win, but that's not the way to see. The way to see is that the over-under I'm setting to you for the number of number one seeds to get to the final four is two and a half. And I'm taking the under. Only two at most of these four number ones, Gonzaga, Baylor, Illinois, and Michigan, only two will make it to the final four. You wait to see. And that's official. 
All right. Nothing personal has uh, spent a lifetime. It's only been 330 episodes, but we try to decode things that are going on behind the scenes, give you a peek into the curtain, behind the curtain. We'll tell you about statements and they come out every day and we'll tell you what people should have said, what they didn't say, what they could have said, what they meant to say. And every once in a while, gold happens. You can't plan it. You can't plan greatness, folks. Greatness just happens. As we were planning for the show yesterday and this morning and thinking about this topic, it is a very serious topic. And do not mistake my tone for not taking it seriously. There was a high school basketball game that took place this weekend. And the way high school games are broadcast is very often the conference, the high school conference will contract with a third party service provider who will produce the games, who will broadcast the games, who will supply the broadcasters, supply the equipment, because high schools generally are not, there's some who are, but generally they're not broadcast ready gyms. So there was a high school announcer doing a game. And for whatever reason, how do people not know their mic is on? Hey, is my mic on? Coca, can you hear me? Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now, now, now? It's on, right? There's cameras on. The first thing you're taught in media training when you have a microphone, when you are an executive or a player or anyone who ever has a microphone, it's always on and you're always on the record. Always. Tom Brenneman, your mic's on. This high school announcer kept his mic on and there were players on this high school team during the national anthem. When they went to break, there were players kneeling. And he said, they're kneeling. And then he used an expletive. And he said, I hope this team and their team is, was Norman, I think maybe Norman, uh, Oklahoma doesn't matter. I hope they get their ass kicked, he said. And then he said something worse. He called them the N-word. I'm naming you. His name is Matt Rowan. He owns and operates a streaming service, which I'm not naming because they're not going to get business. The reason I'm identifying him is I think it is critical for people to understand something. And when you say the N word, that's not a mistake. You're not saying it for the first time. It is in your vocabulary and we've said it a million times and we're going to say it a million more because I thought we wouldn't have to, but we do. It's got to be out of people's vocabulary. And that's the end of the story. Nope. Here's the statement from Matt Rowan. I suffer type one diabetes and during the game, my sugar was spiking. While not excusing my remarks, it is not unusual when my sugar spikes that I become disoriented and often say things that are not appropriate as well as hurtful.
I do not believe that I would have made such horrible statements absent my sugar spiking. Marinate with that, please. I know a lot of people with diabetes. I've worked with a lot of people with diabetes. I know what happens when your sugar is spiking or when you need insulin or when you're having a problem with diabetes. I know exactly what happens to people, not because I've walked in their shoes, but because I've helped and I've been around. Here's what doesn't happen when you have diabetes. It doesn't make you a racist. There's an expression that Coca taught me that I can't remember, but it was something to the effect of when you use a condition you have to excuse things you say and blame the condition when it's not Tourette's. And by the way, I'd like to talk about Tourette's. I'd like to speak to a person with Tourette's. I'd like to speak to somebody who is a professional with Tourette's. And I'd like to know, does Tourette's make you racist or does it make you say things that you shouldn't say about someone's appearance or about your own appearance or about what you're thinking? But if you say something that you're thinking, what you're thinking is racist, doesn't that mean you're racist? Or can you with Tourette's be made to be something you're not? Maybe that's what diabetes is, according to Matt Rowan. Maybe when you've got diabetes, what it means is really not that you have bad sugar or low sugar or need some help. It means that you're racist. Who knew? If that is not on the podium of the greatest statements ever written, and I don't want to make light of racism because you know I don't on this show, but did he sit with a lawyer? Did he sit with a family member? Did he sit with a doctor? Did he sit with his company? Did someone actually say to him, I like it. I like where your head's at. I think it makes perfect sense to say that you've got diabetes and your sugar was spiking and that's why you didn't know the mic was hot and that's why you say and said hurtful things. The N-word is not that it's not appropriate. It's not that it's hurtful. It's a word that does not belong in the English language. Racial slurs do not, period, hard stop. Don't blame it on a condition. Blame it on lack of education. Blame it on the fact that you are unwilling to acknowledge and admit that your business is in jeopardy. His service that he runs already is no longer doing those games. His entire livelihood is now at stake. Do I feel sorry? You're goddamn right. I don't feel sorry. Hey, it's just business, man. It's nothing personal.